Welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector, and I am your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, welcome. This podcast exists for a simple reason, to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. Here's how it works. In each episode, a different guest comes on and asks me three questions. We have about a 10-minute conversation about each of them, and that's it. No fluff. We get right into it. Hopefully, lots of helpful tips and useful strategies that both the guest and you can benefit from. Today, my guest is Chastity Cooper. Chastity is a Chicago-based award-winning writer and wine culture expert. Through her wine newsletter, Bright and Balanced, she encourages readers to courageously expand their palates. Ultimately, her goal is to make wine more accessible and relatable through storytelling, education, and travel experiences. She also lives in Chicago, which is where I'm originally from, so we've, we've got that in common. Chastity, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Josh. I'm so excited to, to chat with you today. I know. I'm excited to speak with you, too. And we are going to talk all about blogging today, which is actually something that I, despite loving and have been doing for years, have not actually talked much about on this show. I'm thrilled to have you on and give me an excuse to ramble and share some, some of my thoughts about what it takes to have a successful blog how to build an audience, how to monetize it, all of that stuff. So let's get right into it. What is the first thing you want to know? Yeah, as you mentioned, I am a writer and wine culture expert. So I'm curious to know what tips do you have for me when it comes to blog content creation and what's an ideal cadence for posting on my blogs? How can I balance writing for publications, but also writing for myself? So let's start with, talk to me a little bit, and for people that don't know and haven't checked out your stuff, talk to me a little bit about what you blog about, how you approach it now, how often you currently post. What's the state of your content creation right now? So typically, I mean, it's been, let's see, we're in almost May. So I haven't, I don't think I've posted a blog post maybe once since the new year has been done <laughs> because I've just been so wrapped up in my freelance writing. But Typically, what I use my blog to do is really to go outside the realms of what I would traditionally pitch to publications. So this is more kind of my insight on wine recommendations, whether they be bottle recommendations or places to go and enjoy a good glass of wine. Really my take on how what's happening in the industry, but from a cultural perspective. So commentating on wine showing up in TV shows or in music but really more original essays where if I tried to pitch it to a publication, it might have been shot down, but taking that and remixing it so it can be more digestible for my audience. So really just like things that pop into my mind, I'm like, oh, that'd be cool to talk about. Mm -hmm. Here's the place where I put it. And so let me ask you, the freelancing you're doing for other publications, is that mostly wine focused as well? Yeah. So primarily wine, food, travel, some okay. spirits, but generally it's, it's wine. Okay. So let's talk about for your blog. And I think this is a key question for, for anyone that's blogging to sort of understand both why they're doing it and what they're trying to build. And I think one of the key questions in a good place to start is, are you envisioning this? Are you building a personal blog or are you building a wine slash business blog? And there's going to be overlap, obviously, yeah. but I think it's important in your own mind when you, especially when you start thinking about what kind of content you're going to create, is this about chastity or is this about a specific sort of topic or niche? 
Mm, that's a great question. I want it to be both, but I think it, it's that's such an important question for me at this point of my journey because I feel like you can get to know me personally mm. to an extent with other social platforms like Instagram, like Twitter, but I feel like the blog could be an outlet to really push more of a business persona and really solidify myself even more as an expert, mm-hmm. uh, but also a space to build business partnerships and and other connections with with brands and things of that nature. I think probably I, I probably should lean more toward making it a business blog because mm-hmm. personal blogging is cool and there's other outlets for that. Right. But I think for the sake of the topic, I may want to go the business route. Okay. So with that in mind, I'm big on sort of reverse engineering things, right? So mm-hmm. you're going to put X amount of time and effort into this blog. And I think one of the core questions is, what is the result that you're hoping to get out of that time and effort? And I think a lot of times people focus, not focus too much, but they stop with the, I want people to read it or I want follower, I want an audience, right? Mm-hmm. But I think there's a question of, okay, well, why do you want the audience? Why do you want people? What do you want to happen? What does success look like with this blog? That can mean a bunch of different things. It could mean I want this to get me more freelance writing opportunities. It could mean I want this to get me sponsorships. It could mean I just want an outlet for the things I want to write that other people don't have. All of that's mm-hmm. fine. It doesn't have to be financial or business driven. But I think starting with I'm going to put X amount of time into this blog. This is what I want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And then tailoring your content to accomplish that thing. So if you decide, I want this to become a revenue generator through sponsorships, whatever that means, there's different ways to do that. Well, then you're going to tailor, you're going to create content that's going to lead to that. Whereas if you're like, I want this to get me more freelance writing gigs, you're going to create content that's going to lead to that. Whereas if you're like, I just want an outlet for the things I want to say that nobody else wants, then that's what it is. And it's more, it's more of a creative exercise for you. So I think thinking through that and working backwards with that said, and, and you don't have to necessarily know on the fly, but is there any of those things that sort of bells go off and you go, I want, that's the result I want. Here's what I would like to have happen for my X amount of hours that I put into this. Yeah, I think it's a it's a tie between the first potential sponsorships and kind of like this being this forward thinking, this forward thinking expert, but then also like having a creative exercise and holding myself accountable to writing regularly. Yeah. And I wonder if there's an opportunity to do both Mm -hmm. in, in those two choices. Because I think the freelance opportunities, they come. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been writing freelance. I've been a freelance writer for a long time. And I think that's also a consideration. If I'm going to be putting more time into this personal, my personal writing, it has to kind of like scale back a little bit when it comes to my freelancing. Okay. So let's just hype for the purpose of this. Hypothetically, let's go with like the sponsor route. Like I want to create sponsorship opportunities on this blog. So Mm -hmm. then you want to think about, okay, well, who are you writing for? And yes, you're writing for an audience, but if the goal is ultimately sponsors, you're writing for the audience that your sponsors want or the sponsors you want to have want, right? Mm -hmm. So now your content becomes what you can, again, reverse engineer. So give me an example, hypothetically, of a dream sponsor that you would have. Ooh, big pie in the sky. I've always Mm -hmm. wanted to work with American Express. Okay. I'm, I'm a card holder, but you know, you see those commercials and you're like, yeah. I want to be that girl 
Okay. Moving to the airport with my luggage. So who do you think American Express would want to reach within your universe? People who travel often. People who have the opportunity to, who maybe want to go to different wine regions or who Mm -hmm. shop small and they want to support local businesses. Okay. So those type of people. Okay. So I'm going to, again, I'm just giving you this as a hypothetical. I'm not suggesting Mm -hmm. that this is where you niche down, but hypothetically, the difference between I write a wine blog and I write a blog about wine travel is very different Mm -hmm. and very specific. And if you were lucky enough to get in a room with American Express and go, I have X amount of people in my audience, I have, I write about wine or I write about wine travel. If your assumption is correct and who American Express would want. They're going to go, oh, the wine travel thing seems really interesting. That's our target audience, right? Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. reverse engineering a sort of content niche to accomplish what you want. And we're using American Express just as an example. But when you think about that and you go, okay, like maybe I focus on wine travel. And then you go, who else wants to reach wine travelers? Probably a million people. Like you said, wineries and there's a million people that want to do that. So wine Mm -hmm. travel, the specificity of that is probably much stronger than I write generally about wine. And from a content perspective, as you get more specific, it's way easier to write content about wine travel than it is about wine because wine's like a million things. And from an audience standpoint, the audience that I'm interested in wine travel is very different than like, there's a million, like there's a million wine blogs and that niche, you can continue to zoom in if you want. You could even, I'm not suggesting you do this, but just hypothetically, you could go wine travel for women or wine travel for couples or Mm -hmm. wine travel for African-Americans or whatever. You can go wherever you want with it. But that specificity becomes the more specific you get, the more it becomes a perfect choice for someone. And again, I don't know, this all varies, but let's say you did niche down and it was like wine travel for women. Is that even more appealing to American Express or wine travel for African-American? Is that even more appealing to like now you're getting into different budgets that they may have? Who knows? So that's that's something to, to think about and work backwards like that. And I think right now, just looking at your blog, it's clear that you, or my assumption is up until now, like you haven't focused that on, it's a little all over. I write about wine and I write about bars in Chicago and I write about this and that. That clarity will massively help you with content creation because Mm -hmm. now you know, if I told you, come up with 10 things you want to write about wine, you could do it, but you're sort of like all over the place. All over the place. If I said, come up with 10 things about wine travel, it's going to be easier for you. And the exa- an example I've used before is if I give you a blank piece of paper and say, draw something, it's actually hard. If I give you a blank piece of paper and say, draw a cat, you might draw a terrible cat, but it's not that hard. You're going you're gonna to start right away. So that focus will help you with content creation. The other thing I would say is as you get down into sort of individual posts and what to create, there's, there's three key elements to optimize for success in a blog. So the first is, what's your overall goal, which we talked about? Why are you doing this to begin with? So if your goal is, I want to get sponsors, I want to get partnerships, I want to whatever, that's the goal. Then how can each blog post you're writing help you accomplish that goal? Mm -hmm. So if your goal is to ultimately get sponsorship and you have an idea of the kind of sponsors you want, before you even write the post, you have an idea for a post and you go, how is this post going to actually help me accomplish that goal? Mm -hmm. And if it's not, I probably shouldn't be writing. So you're being very strategic in your content creation. And then the third question is, once you have the idea for that post, what is your success metric 
for each post on an individual basis. And people default to the idea that success is traffic, but I actually don't think it is. So it might be, how am I going to optimize this post to get me client leads or sponsorship leads or affiliate sales or email signups? And different posts might have different success metrics and different Mm -hmm. goals, but going into it, being very strategic as opposed to just saying, I'm writing this post because it's about this topic and hopefully people will see it. You You can imagine how, and you might write a post knowing that the goal of the post is it's almost a showcase for you to give to sponsors and be like, look, this is the kind of thing I could do. Mm-hmm. You might write a post about a winery and in your mind, you're like, what this really is about is I'm going to go take it and I'm going to send it to 20 different wineries and go, hey, I can, if you want to pay me, I can come write a post about your winery the same way I did this one. Yeah. That's being strategic. And I think a lot of times where bloggers, when it comes to con- content creation, where they get stuck is they're not strategic enough. They're just throwing content out there and then hoping something magically comes of it, right? So those three questions can help you. As far as cadence, there's no magic answer like, oh, you should post every day or every whatever. I get asked all the time, not just with blogs, but also with social media, like the whole quantity versus quality thing. Right. And people always ask, like, should I focus on quantity or quality? And my answer is yes, you need both basically, right? (laughs) And the way I think about it is this. Every blog post you create is an asset whose value compounds over time. It's basically buying a stock, but the only thing you have to pay is the time you put in to create it. Mm. So if someone gave you the opportunity to buy a bunch of stock and said, I'm making this up, but your only cost to get this shares of this company is two hours of your time, you'd be like, okay, Now, some of those stocks are going to take off. Mm -hmm. Some of them are not going to take off. The nice thing is, unlike a real stock, they're never going to go negative. So the worst that happens is your blog post doesn't take off, but it it never costs you anything more than the two hours you put in to create it. So when you approach it with that mindset, yes, there's an investment of time. And obviously, you want to make the most of your time and all of that. But you are literally, when you create a blog post, creating an asset. Mm -hmm. And some of those assets will take off. And especially if you're writing about something that's relatively evergreen content, you write about a winery, that post is probably just as relevant a year from now, two years from now. As long as the winery is still in business, it's probably Mm -hmm. still relevant. And you're continuing to get leads, to get business, to get traffic, to get whatever. And all it cost you was the two hours up front. So when you think about it like that, the quantity question, again, and I'm assuming whatever you do is going to be quality. Don't just throw stuff out there to throw yeah. stuff out there, right? Yeah. But so the quantity question becomes, how many assets do I want? And what's interesting is if, if you're only publishing, let's say, once a month on average, you're only taking 12 shots a year to have mm. something go. I'm a big believer. So for me, for example, for years, it's actually I've cut back since I'm doing this podcast because this podcast is taking the place of it somewhat. But for for probably the first six years that I was running my newsletter and doing this sort of full time working as a consultant and all that, I published one blog post a week without fail, no matter Mm -hmm. what that has created. So I was publishing 50 plus posts a year, which has created a massive library of assets that are not only bringing people in because people discover them, but I'm able to repurpose that content all the time in social posts. I'm able, the ideas and things that I thought out and and wrote about 
I'm able to talk about on this podcast and all that kind of stuff. So I think that mindset of a blog post is an asset will really help you combine with what we talked about before of understanding strategically what you're writing for. So now you, you'll see it much more clear and will lead to you writing much more stuff. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, this is super helpful. And I'll give you one more quick thing, just because before we talked, I hopped on your website and I looked at, you had a, you have a post on your website, my official guide to drinking wine in Chicago, mm -hmm. uh, best wine bars in Chicago. And it's great. And it's a rundown of all the different wine bars in the city. A couple things. So as you think through sort of your goal with your content, looking at that and going, okay, well, what's the purpose of this post? What am I trying to accomplish, et cetera? Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, you know, this, I'm not a huge SEO person, but that's a post that's tailor-made. That's a post that's about things people are searching for. So do some basic optimization for the post. Mm -hmm. I'll put a link in the show notes. There's a great free five-day course that's like SEO for people that don't know anything about SEO, or like very basic. I, and I count myself as one of those people. I highly recommend it. And just little basic things, right? How it's titled, what subheadings you use that will help you in search. Obviously, SEO can be a rabbit hole and, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. But then also understanding when you create a post like that, and this gets into the quantity, like that easily could have been multiple posts. For example, as opposed to just going, here's the Chicago wine guide, each of those neighborhoods could have been its own post. Mm -hmm. And then they could have been linked together into sort of this main post. And so now, like, it's probably, again, both from a content perspective, but also from a search perspective, like, it's probably hard to rank high for, like, best wine bars in Chicago. It might be a lot easier to best wine bars in Evanston or yeah. whatever, right? And all these pieces come together. So the same amount of time and effort you're putting into content, sometimes pulled apart strategically can get you actually more posts. The other thing I would say is... You could go even as, and I'm not necessarily suggesting you do this, but I'm just giving you examples of, of mm -hmm. way this stuff can expand and contract. Theoretically, every one of those individual bars could have been its own post. Yeah. I'm going to write a review of this post and then they're, they're going to link to a page that has all the ones in that neighborhood. And that's going to link to a page that has all the ones in Chicago. And so this one piece of content you created could have actually been like 40 different pieces of content. The other thing is if those reviews are good, each of those bars might share them, might link to them, might drive people into your world. The other thing I would say is whenever you create posts, link to other related content. So mm -hmm. you have someone reading something, you probably have something else that's related, drive them there. So you keep them in your universe and drive them deeper in as opposed to like they read it and they're gone. Um, yeah. And then the other thing, and we're going to talk about marketing, I think in a second, but always plug your newsletter within the content of the post to get people to sign up. And again, all this becomes easier when you become more clear on who you're helping and how you're helping. Right. So let's, let's jump to your next question. What is the next thing you want to know? Yeah. So speaking of marketing, uh, what are the best channels for marketing my blog and how much money should I put behind it? Are you currently doing anything to market or, and has anything worked particularly well or? So outside of posting on Twitter and LinkedIn, mm -hmm. I actually did run an ad I want to say two weeks ago, just to try to see what yeah. would happen. I do need to go back and look at those metrics. But I was like, oh, I can throw $30 for mm -hmm. this ad to run on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And this this many markets, this demographic, et cetera, et cetera. So that was like the first. I was like, okay, like we'll put mm -hmm. a little money behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I haven't done anything other than that. Okay. What The ad that you ran, what were you promoting or driving people to? Driving people to sign up to my newsletter. Okay. 
And you were positioning it basically as it's a wine newsletter and you were targeting, who did you target? I targeted, so I think there was 21 to 45. So basically Mm -hmm. millennials and a little bit of Gen Z in major cities here in Chicago, New York, D.C., Atlanta. So those kind of metropolitan areas where millennials will be going out and drinking wine, but probably don't know what to order. And if they clicked, it took them to your newsletter sign-up page? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So I'm going to get into that in a second, but let's let's start here. When it comes to marketing, you want to understand that your blog is just a delivery mechanism for the value you provide. Mm-hmm. So the real question is how can you make people aware of the value you provide, not just how can you make them aware of the blog? The blog mm-hmm. is a tool or a tactic that does right. So yes, Mm -hmm. you want traffic, but what you really want, and again, this will depend, you know, marketing in different channels in different ways, right? A lot of times people fall into the trap of, I just want them to go to my blog or I just want them to read my newsletter. And it's like, if you can, what you want is them to to see you and what you do is, oh, this is valuable and will be helpful to me. And whatever door they come in, they'll figure out the the other stuff, right? So Mm -hmm. that's just one thing to keep in the back of your head. The other thing to keep in the back of your head when you start talking about paid marketing is as you get clearer on your monetization plan and monetization approach, and I know we're going to talk about that a little bit more also, you'll get some rough sense of how much traffic or subscribers or whatever is worth to you. Because ultimately, that will determine whether or not it's worth spending money and how much to spend. Now, how much that a person or a reader or traffic or subscriber or whatever is worth to you depends on a lot of factors. It's not an exact science. I mean, it can be if you're selling products to people, whatever, but obviously when you get into sponsorship, so you're going to have a rough estimate on some level, but that will help you gauge, should I be doing this or not? Because it's possible that you go, okay, I let's just make this up. Let's say you go for $30, I got 10 newsletter subscribers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is that worth it? I don't know. If you're able to monetize a subscriber for $50 and it costs you $3 to get them, then that's worth it. If you're not able to monetize a subscriber at all and it costs you $3, then maybe it's not worth it. So without that context, at least some general rough idea, it's difficult to sort of assess success or failure of your own paid marketing. I think as far as marketing goes, you want to think about and basically have a plan for both organic and paid marketing. And again, trying to be strategic, whereas a lot of people are just like, I just post on Twitter and Instagram and okay, but what's the strategy? In general, your newsletter should be your best traffic driver. I'm very newsletter centric and I view social as a way to attract people and ultimately convert them to the newsletter because the newsletter is algorithm proof. So for me, for example, this podcast by far by far the biggest driver of video views and downloads and traffic to this podcast is my newsletter. I can post about it on Twitter and I have a lar- I have about as many Twitter followers as I have newsletter subscribers, but the newsletter drives it off. YouTube mm-hmm. views, they're coming from the newsletter, like all of that. I actually think that newsletter emails is really the, I don't want to say only, but the, the best way to measure your audience growth because mm-hmm. it's the most direct connection that you can have to people. The other thing I would say in terms of marketing strategy, cross promotions are huge and they can in most cases be free. So finding people, anyone that has an audience that you want to reach, that you can do some sort of cross promotion with them, even if they have a small audience, if it's relevant and it's the exact people you want to reach. 
newsletter cross promotions, social cross promotions, going on each other's podcasts, whatever you can do to be like, hey, we both want to grow. We both have similar audiences. Let's make this happen. And I would try to do it both with people that have bigger audiences than you and people mm -hmm. that have smaller audiences than you because it all counts. As far as social goes, I'm a big believer in general in focusing on one social channel. It's okay to be multiple places, but it's really, I have found personally that when you focus on one, you're much more, you'll grow much faster and you can always at a certain point expand and then you can leverage the existing audience you have and go, Hey, I'm also over here as opposed to trying to juggle multiple. Another tip for marketing, don't push links. The algorithms don't love it. So for, I'll give you a perfect example here. So let's say when you published your Chicago wine bar guide, what most people would do is just publish my Chicago wine bar guide. Here's the link. Go check it out on mm -hmm. my blog over and over again. It just won't get that much reach. What would be a better approach would be to post the content natively on the social platform. So do a thread and go, these are the best wine bars in Chicago. Basically take mm. your post, do it as a thread, tag each of those bars that you mentioned either as like a thread on Twitter or a carousel on Instagram, or even maybe it becomes a weekly segment. Every Friday, I give you like the wine bar, Chicago wine bar recommendation, whatever. Yeah. What's going to happen with that is it's going to do much better in the algorithm. You're able to tag all of those places who will hopefully then share it and you'll get much more out of it as opposed to just go read it on my blog, go read it on my right. blog, et cetera. Another thing for marketing is you want to think about as you get clear on who your target audience is, where are they hanging out? I am sure they're in Facebook groups or discords or wherever they are. Go to them. I think a common mm -hmm. mistake people make is they're just posting all the time and trying to have people come here, come here, come here. And it's, yeah. no, there's 10,000 of your people are hanging out in this Facebook group. Go there. Like go, go answer right. their questions in there as opposed to like just posting into the void and trying to get them to follow you. And then if you're going to do paid promotion, which can be really effective and Instagram ads. So I do think it's smart to experiment with that. A few suggestions of, of what you might want to do. So the first is you're much better off in general, in my opinion, promoting specific content to a specific audience as opposed to a general sign up. So think about yourself, even with you being interested in wine. If you see an ad in your feed from someone that you have no idea who they are, and they're like, sign up for my wine newsletter, as interested as you are, you might check it out. You might sign up for it. Probably not. Compare that to you see an ad that says, see the best wine bars in Chicago. You're clicking that. You're reading that. Incorporated in that is a plug for the newsletter. The newsletter, yeah. Now you might sign up. The other thing that happens is when you promote content as opposed to sales or sign up page, even if someone's going to sign up to your newsletter, they're not going to share it, but they're going to mm. share and they're going to comment on the best wine bars in Chicago. All of that organic reach that you get, you don't pay for. Putting out an ad that's going to lead to comments, engagements, shares, more clicks, all of that stuff is going to drastically reduce the effective cost of what you get because all the organic stuff you don't pay for. You paid to reach the one person, not all the people that that person shared it with. Also, when you're promoting specific content to a specific audience, you get the targeting becomes much easier. So using the Chicago Wine Guide example, now you could just target people who live in Chicago and are interested in wine, mm -hmm. much more specific, going to do much better. And if it works, you could, I know you live in Chicago, so you know that area better, but hypothetically, if it works, you could go, okay, now I'm going to go do the guide to Atlanta wine bars. 
Yeah. And I'm going to target that to people in Atlanta. Because if it worked in one place, it's going to work in the other. And even if you have to interview someone in Atlanta, I talked to an Atlanta wine bar expert and here's what they said, we're the best bars. That's going to make what you get for your paid promotion way better. You're going to get way more out of it. The other thing in general with paid promotion is sometimes you'll see people, you want to promote the winners and the stuff that you already know works, not every post. So a lot of times you'll see people who they're like, all right, I have a budget. And I write a blog, I publish a blog post. By the way, I've made this mistake myself at times. Okay, every week I publish my blog post and I'll put some paid promotion behind it. The thing that hits, everybody really liked this. Everybody really shared it. I'm going to push that to more people. And also that's true with social posts, right? As opposed to I'm going to post this tweet and then I'm going to boost it or I'm going to post this Instagram post and then I'm going to boost it. No, I'm going to go and I'm going to see what was my most successful tweet or Instagram post of the last six months. And I'm going to put my budget behind that one because I know people like it. So that seems obvious in retrospect, but it's like you don't have to put money behind things that aren't already proven. So that's something to keep in mind. And then the last tip with paid promotion is another common mistake. Always test with a small budget. And then when you see what you're getting and what works, then put more of your budget, the majority on it. So for example, a lot of times if I would say to people, you have $1,000 to promote your blog, what are you going to do? And they might go, right. okay, I put $100 on 10 different posts. Be like, no. As opposed to spending all of it, you're going to take $100, let's say, and you're going to put $10 each on 10 posts. And the one that works the best is going to get the other $900. That small test is just, let me see what actually works. Yeah. And then put all, the, all my budget on that one. So- those things hopefully can help you again, both doesn't mean you have to do paid, but paid can be really effective when done right. So any questions about any of that? No, that was, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I did the, the Chicago wine yeah. guy because now it was like almost a year ago and now mm -hmm. I can like repurpose it because the summer's coming. I know yep. people are coming to fit, like it's the perfect time yeah. to repurpose that piece of content. So thank you for pointing that out. And it's just, and it's just logical, right? If you think about yourself as a user, like you would a thousand percent click that because you're curious, what are the best wine bars versus, and it doesn't feel salesy. That's the other thing I like about promoting content. They're not like, totally oh, trying to sell me something to, like, exactly. and they see it and it's good. And then, but again, the key is to capitalize on it very clearly plugging your newsletter within the post, not just like all the way at the bottom or on the sidebar. But like literally like at in the, the in, in the intro, yeah. hey, here's my thing. I share stuff like this all the time if you want to get it here. Cool. So let's get to your third question. What is the last thing you want yes. to ask? I mean, you you put it alluded to this a little bit when as far as doing paid promotion, but mm -hmm. monetizing my blog, what would that look like for me? Let's say I hone in on wine travel and just, mm -hmm. you know, doing different posts that are adjacent to traveling. What would it look like to monetize those type of things? The first thing is obviously there's a lot of different ways to to monetize. Currently, I'm guessing I'm, well, I've seen you have some sponsored posts. So are you monetizing it at all really at this point? And Not this yeah. So in the past, I'll think of 2020, 2021, even 2022, they were like brand partnerships of so partnering with a brand like Coravin or mm -hmm. partnering with wine brand and doing like an online class with mm -hmm. or an online kind of like webinar with that particular wine or just posting the wine with some copy 
to Instagram. Mm -hmm. So beyond that, nothing. Those For those deals, did they come to you or you went to them? They came to me. How did they know about you? Let's see. I'm thinking about Coravin. I think that was, that might have been somebody who I knew was like uh, there at the company and they mm-hmm. reached out to me or I think that's how that happened a couple years ago. And so we just built this this relationship where it was like, okay, here's where I can produce mm-hmm. in this amount of time. Mm-hmm. This is the deadline. Here are the deliverables. And then we went forth with that. But yeah, that that's how that happened. So a couple of things. So one is I would, for people that you had a relationship with, did something with, they paid you for it, or even if it was a some sort of partnership deal, if it went well, if it, if it was considering, is there more there, right? Mm-hmm. Reaching back out to them, going, hey, want to touch base? Is there something else that we can partner on? And starting maybe with what are they trying to figure out? I think a lot of times you want to have some idea of what you can do, but especially if you've already done something with them, reaching back out to them and going, hey, what are you guys working on? Like, what are you Mm -hmm. trying to figure out? What are you trying to accomplish? Maybe there's a way I can help. And they tell you, oh, we're really focused on X, Y, and Z. And you go, cool, let me me give some thoughts to it and come back to you with a proposal of how I can do that. And thinking in terms of not just what you've done before, but thinking bigger. Anytime you have any success with anything, to me, it's always a really helpful exercise to go, what would it take for me to 10X this? As opposed to, I'm going to go find new people and start from scratch. Like, we had an experience, we did something that was good. What could I come up with that would be 10 times more valuable and expand on this thing? And so thinking, thinking about that. The other thing is, again, and this goes back to our first question about content, I think as you get more clear on your niche, your audience, the more clear you get, the easier it is to, to monetize and come up with pitches and all of that. I think one of the things, and I think you've made this decision a little bit based on what we've talked about already, but When it comes to monetization, there's a key decision that people need to make with their blogs, which is, do you want to sell to your audience or do you want to sell your audience to others Mm. or both? You can do both. So one version is I'm going to create product experiences, whatever, and I'm going to sell them directly to my audience. The other is a sponsorship advertising type model where I'm growing this audience. Stuff's going to be basically free content and all that stuff for the audience, but I'm selling them to someone else who's going to pay. If you're going to do that, which it sounds like you're headed more in that direction, then it's really important to understand in your own mind that that's what you're selling and understand that, you know, who you're attracting and you're attracting an audience that other people, just like we did the American Express example before, that other people want to reach. And then also understanding how can I come up with creative, interesting, unique, valuable ways to package this audience to them versus what a lot of people do, which is like, all right, we'll just slap a sponsor thing in or I'll just do an Instagram post where I'm drinking your wine. Can you get more creative and separate yourself in a way that becomes more valuable? And that can be on a case by case thing. Like some of this is experimentation, but also the more you understand about their goals, the better that you can help them. Any of these approaches can work when it comes to monetization, but the key is alignment. The key Mm -hmm. is being strategic and understanding that I am attracting an audience, not that I'm going to sell to, even though you may eventually and at times, but I'm attracting an audience that these types of sponsors are going to want. And here's what I know about what those people want. And I'm going to create things 
that are going to, again, using the winery example, you may create a type of post, a type of content, a type of something that is a winery's dream. Like you might know, I'm, I'm making this up, but maybe I'm trying to think of an example. But So let's say that what most wineries get is they pay someone who comes and they do a write-up about, I went to the winery and it was great and whatever. And you might decide, but what they really want is they really want to be positioned as experts in this very specific thing. Mm -hmm. So instead of that, or in addition to that, I'm going to do an interview with one of their experts. I'm going to get them the messaging that they really want, which isn't just, I'm making this up, but isn't just touristy, whatever. The better you understand it, the more you have the ability to customize and create what you're giving them. The other thing I would say is I have a blog post, ironically, I have a blog post that we'll link to in the show notes. It's all about how to monetize your expertise, which is really mm -hmm. what you're talking about here. And, and in it, I suggest six questions that you want to think through. So I'll rattle some of those off here. So the first is what single topic of expertise is your focus? The key here is that you want to complete this sentence. I use my expertise to help people fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And even if you replace people with specific type of person or company, that might, that's even stronger. Whereas if I just go, what single topic of expertise is your focus? Your answer is wine. Okay. But that doesn't really lead anything. If I right. said, I use my wine expertise to help wineries or to help companies do this. Now you're getting way more specific and specific. it will lead you to monetization stuff. The next question, question two, is what separates you from other experts in the field? So mm. you're probably not the only wine expert that's helping wineries get exposure or do whatever. What's different about you? Why should they choose you as opposed to someone else? Mm -hmm. It can be a million different reasons. Some of it can be the product you offer. Some of it could be the audience you have. Some of it could be your own personal skill set or experience or but thinking about what that separation point is, because ultimately you're going to incorporate that into your pitches and your products and all that kind of stuff and your content. Who needs your expertise is the third question. So it's one thing to say, I help these people or I help this, these companies do this, but do they really need it? Are there other people that need it? Why does American Express need this? And it's very easy to go, oh, they could have their choice of anything, but they need something. They have a problem they have to solve. So they probably do need you. But thinking that through, how will your expertise change someone or some company's life? And I like filling in the blanks of this sentence. People who pay for my expertise will go from blank to blank. Transformation is value. So a winery, yeah, a winery that pays for pay to work with me will go from having fewer visitors to having more visitors. We'll go from having this community not be aware of them to being aware of them. You can mm -hmm. see how answering these questions will now directly feed into products and pitches that you're doing. Because once you state that, now you have to figure out, well, how do I make that? The fifth question is, what's the best way to deliver your expertise? So this gets into content, blog posts, some of the stuff that we've talked about before. And then the last one is, what are your monetary goals? You have a freelance career separate from this. In some ways, at the moment, I'm guessing it's a side hustle. Maybe mm -hmm. you want it to be more. But thinking through, and obviously the short answer, everyone's like, I want this to, I'd be great for this to make millions and millions of dollars. Right. Realistically, what are you in, even in the short term, medium term, long term, whatever, thinking through, this is what I'd actually like to make from doing this. Because a lot of times you'll see people who set out to monetize and sell products where, again, they have an alignment problem where it's like, you're saying you want this to make you 
$100,000 a year, but you're selling a $5 product, that's not going to happen. Yes, theoretically, you could have 20,000 people buy your $5 product, but you have 500 followers. If you want to make $100,000, maybe you should be offering a $10,000 product, not a $5 product. Yeah. It's not that any of these things aren't possible, but when you get clear on, I monetarily, I want to monetize to this level, then you can do a check on what you're offering and what you're doing and going, well, that's not going to work. Yeah. If I want to make $100,000, I need more than people to just give me free wine. I need to come that up part. with a product that's worth, yeah. that's worth more than that. And then the last thing I'm going to say here is I'm just going to recommend two other episodes in my podcast that are really relevant to everything we've been talking about. The first is I did an episode all about side hustles, which is worth checking out. And it was with Joe Ferraro, I believe. We'll include a link in the show notes. It was interesting because he's a teacher and he loves his job as a teacher and he has a podcast and he's growing that. His goal is not to become a full-time podcaster. So we talked a lot about like, how do you balance that, right? How do you grow this thing when you're not actually trying to make it your sort of full-time, full-time living? So that one's really helpful. And then especially with sponsorships, I had Justin Moore on, who is like the king of all sponsorships. All the advice I gave today, his advice is even better. So I, I asked him a bunch of questions and he breaks down exactly how to pitch and who to pitch and how to reach out to people and all that stuff. We'll put some links to those in the show notes. Chastity, any last questions about any of this? No, this has been so helpful. I think that you definitely have challenged me because I'm I haven't, like I said, posted too much because I've been in this low, like, where are we going with yeah. this? We have this expertise, yep. but how do we take it up a couple more notches? So this has been extremely helpful. I'm definitely going to be doing some brainstorming and yeah. executing in the next weeks to come. But no, this was awesome. Thank you so awesome. much. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for, like I said, giving me an excuse to talk about blogging. <laughs> Let people know where they can check you out and where they can can tap into your wine expertise. Yes. So I do have a newsletter that goes out twice a month called Write and Balance, but you can find a way to, you can actually subscribe to that on my website, chastitycooper.com. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. That's usually where I hang out. I'm not a TikToker. I'm so sorry, but it is at by Chastity Cooper on Twitter and Instagram. Cool. For me, my newsletter for theinterested.com slash subscribe. I'm also on Twitter all the time at Jay Spector. You can watch me going back and forth with Chastity on there. If you would like to come on this podcast and ask me three questions, it's basically free consulting and promotion. So I don't know why anyone wouldn't want to come on. Go to joshspector.com slash questions to submit your questions. Uh, thank you, Chastity. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Oh, one more thing I should actually mention. I probably should have mentioned this in the beginning, as opposed to the end when everybody's already logged off, but I'll mention it anyway. <laughs> I have a skill session about how to write your most successful blog post ever. You can go to joshspector.com slash sessions, and there's a link there to get it. And if you use code blog25, you can get it for just 25 bucks. So I highly recommend it. Thanks, Chastity. Thanks, everyone. See you Thank next you. week.